We have to go back! everyone welcome back to the flashback flicks retro movie podcast you're rolling with rocket ricky rialto the co-voice of flashback flicks usa christmas it is pretty early ricky (laughs) we got neighbors And because the holiday season is upon us, we decided to go back and take a look at the 1984 horror comedy, horror first comedy, Christmas, maybe as a third movie, Gremlins. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd say some whimsy is thrown in there, too. Yeah. You got you got a dash of whimsy. Yeah, just a little dash. and um, And then you... Set your gremlin to frappe, and you have yourself a holiday treat. So oh, that's good. This mm. movie, I'll just say up front, I didn't know. I have never seen it in its entirety. You had you had never seen all of Gremlins. Not all of I Gremlins. I can't believe this is not a YMCA movie. Oh, I can very much see why this is not a YMCA <laughs> movie. Wait, mm, uh, now that I think about it. Mm. Uh, so we have uh, so much uh, history to go into. For this, the making of this movie, but let's start at the top. It's a Christmas movie, and it's Gremlins, and it is written by Chris Columbus of, you know, that old so-and-so who did Home Alone, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, The inspiration for this movie actually came from, um, like all inspiration, um, uh, people's haunted feeling apartments and living spaces. Uh, So he lived in a loft. At night, it sounded like, quote, a platoon of mice would come out, and to hear them skittering around in the blackness was really creepy, end quote. And so, like most good Hollywood writers, he turned it into a script that was originally supposed to be a spec script, and Grayson can't emphasize this anymore. The story was not actually intended to be filmed. (laughs) Oh, it was like uh, like a short story or a novelization. Yeah, yeah. They they said he uh, he had it as just a spec script to just show people uh, his that he writing, could write. Yeah, his writing abilities. Until they came across the desk of Steven Spielberg, who said, and I quote, "It's one of the most original things I've come across in many years," which is why I bought it. Uh, and so he bought the script, but not the version that we saw. Uh, and many people have. The, grown to love uh the original script was much darker uh darker yes so gizmo was originally going to become a gremlin uh he was going Mm. to become the white stripe uh uh character uh Mm. and billy's mom was gonna be decapitated and billy's dog was gonna die yeah and and that's that's the script that spielberg bought (laughs) Wow. Yeah, because there is a um, a difference between like a horror film and a Spielberg horror film. Yes. Because like Jurassic Park is kind of a horror film. Yep. It's got a lot of the same tropes, but there's a certain Steven Spielberg uh, protective layer that I think you get. Right. Uh, but even still, this was brutal. Yes, it was. I was shocked by how violent it was and and we'll talk about this a little bit later uh but this movie was so popular it actually had some real world consequences and we're going to come back to that in a little bit but 
not before I give you some more deleted scenes. Grayson, this is maybe my favorite thing that I wish they would have kept in the movie. There was going to be a scene where the gremlins attack a McDonald's. Mm. And all of the patrons would have been, like, devoured by the gremlins, uh, including a baby. But all the McDonald's food would have been untouched. (laughs) (laughs) And they had a problem with that, huh? They, They did not want that... Oh man, that kind of uh, marketing, that branding. Yeah, uh, and you know, we mentioned Chris Columbus, we mentioned Steven Spielberg, but it's also worth noting this was directed by Joe Dante. Yes, who we have seen on the podcast before in the form of Small, Small soldiers. soldiers. Certainly has a type. Wow. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of Tim Burton, of course comes to mind yeah. he, they were actually uh the movie's first choice for a director uh but at the time yeah. burton had never directed a full feature length movie dante on the other hand has um he had done the howling in 1981 uh and spielberg really liked his style and so uh the the match was made uh, with the creativity, uh, then you, you just had to, you know, do the easy thing, which is bring gremlins to life. Uh, so Chris Wallace uh, was suggested to use puppets, but Grayson, puppets weren't the first choice because originally, like before they got to puppets, I, I'm going to work backwards. So they they, land, they landed on puppets. Before they got mm-hmm. to puppets, they were thinking stop motion. Chris Wallace designed the gremlin looks, uh, but the studio suggested a spider monkey in a suit. It's like it's the 1920s. <laughs> so put a monkey in it. And they did a screen test. And I'm just going to read this verbatim. A spider monkey in a suit, which was tested at director Joe Dante's office. The animal went crazy, tearing the office apart and defecating everywhere. Dante screamed at the trainer to get the animal and then asked Wallace, so puppets? <laughs> I mean, it kind of did what the gremlins do. Yeah. So I, I think Daniel Day-Lewis would have done the same thing in his audition. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and actually, uh, Zach Galligan recounted uh, in an interview uh, that when the movie was made, there was no CGI. So all the gremlins were animatronics, each costing between thirty to forty thousand dollars. Oh, and, so don't don't break them. Well, yeah, don't break they em. would check security would check everyone's cars and trunks to make sure that no one stole one like it was that it was that big of a deal and so you know they they started shooting the movie and everything went really well uh and actually you, you know the rules of the gremlins uh don't uh get them wet don't feed them after midnight and don't let them near bright lights uh that was actually a rule created by director Joe Dante because, uh, you know, they wanted to navigate the waters of special effects for the Gremlin puppets. And if you kept them in the dark, this kind of camouflaged the problems. And, you know, it's it's an old sci-fi trick. And uh, Dante actually did the same thing uh, to pull out the practical effects for the howling. Uh, and so you keep the animals or the monsters in the dark to hide the special effect problems and you know i'm sure spielberg who had all of the <laughs> problems with the giant shark is like yeah, yeah yeah no let's let's put these rules out there how about a close-up yeah 
Yeah, how about a super close-up? All right, and so uh, the movie was made, and the studio execs had some problems with it. They said, we see the gremlins too much. And Spielberg said, well, why don't we cut them all out and call the humans? And so because Spielberg has pull, uh, they backed off. Uh, but the, the, a lot of the work, it, it was a nightmare. In fact, uh, the Mogwai animatronics never really worked properly, and so editing it was a task. And originally, the Gremlins never said anything. They, they had no lines. And so Howie Mandel was brought in. He, and he At the time, he had already like uh, a baby voice in his stand-up, uh, and I most recognized the voice from my main connection to Howie Mandel, Bobby's World from Bobby's Fox World, Kids. Yeah. And so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I can kind of hear it in there. Uh, so Howie Mandel provided the voice of Gizmo, and Frank Welkner, classic, uh, provided the voice for Stripe. Uh, and Welkner actually recommended Mandel for the voice of Gizmo. Uh, and he, Mandel says, uh, Gizmo was cute and naive. So, you know, I got in touch with that and I couldn't envision going any other way or doing something different with it. Really interesting thing. Hi Mandel also did the dubbing of other Gremlin voices, but also in different languages. And so, oh, kind of like Vin Diesel with Groot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yes. And so, in the um, like, so like if it was um, released in Ireland, the Gremlins at the bar would be singing like Irish drinking songs. Um, or in gremlin speak and so th- there's just all this really fascinating things that went into this movie and i just and then we, then we were met with this movie now i know i'm doing it a little bit in reverse but let me just start out with the synopsis you got your movie called gremlins uh inventor randall peltzer uh petzer peltzer stops by chinatown in new york city to pick up a gift for his son billy and he ends up getting this adorable little uh, Furby inspiration, a mogwai. Uh, comes with instructions. Don't let them near light. Don't get them wet. And don't feed them after midnight. And then, you know, you have some nice fun with Gizmo. But then you have some reckless future Ninja Turtle who knocks a cup of water over. And now Gizmo is spouting off other little cute gremlins. And one of them has an agenda. Uh, and so... Then um, they trick Billy into feeding them after midnight. They all form cocoons. They turn into ugly, frightening gremlins. And then they gleefully cause havoc and terror around the town. This movie was released to the audiences and confused and terrified so many people. With a budget of $11 million, it went on to make over $212 million. It explains why they just jumped on a sequel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that's crazy. Well, it had some critical acclaim, too, because they won some Saturn Awards, yeah. which is the you know sci-fi, fantasy, horror films. It won Best Horror Film, wow. Best Supporting Actress for Polly Holiday, Best Director for Joe Dante, Best Music uh, with Jerry Goldsmith, and Best Special Effects for Chris Wallace. Yeah. Uh, and then it was nominated for a bunch of others, uh, in- including Best Supporting Actor, Best Performance by a Younger Actor, Best Writing, and Best Makeup. Up. So, like, this this was a massive sci-fi horror film. Yeah. It, it kind of later became this 
bigger cult classic because it was actually released in June, even though it was a Christmas movie. Uh, mm. And it was released the same weekend as an Indiana Jones movie. And because of this movie, because this movie, like I, I would say, surprise to no one, was released as a PG movie. Parental guidance, which means it's like a family picture. And so it's the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> and so because of this movie um, and Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom and Poltergeist, um, you know, all things that Spielberg has had his hand in uh, the Motion Picture Association of America uh, then created the PG-13 rating. So we have the Gremlins to thank for this little rating system at least in some small part uh because the movie even though it kind of terrified a bunch of parents a la batman returns was just like you told me there's a happy meal toy about this thing i should be able to take my kids to it and you promised me no one's nose is going to get bitten on uh <laughs> and so it, it kind of frustrated some parents but that didn't stop people from seeing it a lot in fact uh, it was released on VHS, CED video disc, and beta in 1985, and made, and I'm so glad we have someone who took this data, over $79 million in video rental stores. Wow. Yeah, yeah this movie multiplied. There was mm. a whole batch of it. And, and, and you got to have it back by midnight. <laughs> you have to, turn, or there will be late fees. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, this movie was something else and it did go on to spawn gremlins 2 a new batch and several uh mogwai uh like collectibles especially after yep. the sequel where i can't wait i've never been more excited to <laughs> see a sequel to a movie uh but you actually have rick baker who uh took on the creatures for the second movie and that was one of the big pulls. He's just like, listen, I don't really want to redo uh, Chris's work, but if you let me kind of make my own, then I'll be in. So I can't wait until we get into that movie. Uh, but HBO Max has uh, announced recently uh, that Gremlins colon Secrets of the Mogwai um, will, or is at the very least in production. I think they confirmed it in 2020. Um, and then, you know, we, we will see what happens next. Yeah, and I know that when they were doing Lego Dimensions, yeah. you remember that, where you'd put them on the platform and they'd show up. There was a Gremlins add-on. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the original actors came back to do the voice. Like, Phoebe Cates came back and was Kate nice. in the in the Lego game. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, th this movie... So, as a kid, um, and, and no... Uh, uh, or, or, hmm, how do I say this? I was a coward. Uh, terrified of uh, scary things on TV. And so I saw just the trailer for Gremlins 2 um, yeah. and was immediately terrified. So... Yeah, it's like this and Mars Attacks, yes, those aliens, yes. like, haunt my nightmares. Oh my, I, I saw the trailer for Mars Attacks during Space Jam. Uh, and that and seeing that trailer and just giant... Oh man, it just terrified me. Yeah. Anyway, never really had a desire to see this movie, but somehow I managed to see um, the the mom <laughs> destroying three gremlins in her kitchen scene, and then the last hour of the movie. Oh, wow. <laughs> because when I first started watching the movie, I'm thinking, wait, doesn't this all take place on Christmas night? 
like why are we having like these transitions and like why are we like i never saw the experimentation um i never saw them actually eating the food which i never thought i would just hate seeing someone eat food because that was just so so close and so uh anyway it was it was weird um, so you just jumped into this movie when it was full Jumanji, <laughs> basically. And, wow. And I, and, but I know that it has to do with it being on TV at some point in time, because I, mm. I never like rented it or I never chose Gremlins because again I was a coward <laughs> as a child, and so uh, I, I, I didn't really like horror movies mu- until much later in life, and so. I was pleasantly surprised by all the buildup in this movie and the whole story, <laughs> even just with the dad opening the story with, ah, let me tell you, let me tell you this story. I'm just like, who's this guy? I thought it was, in my brain, it was the kid who went and got it and he somehow did something wrong. Um, yeah. And then he's like, oh, well, you lost your turn with this gremlin. Uh, but it was actually uh, Billy who uh, was the best with, yeah, Billy was very responsible. Yeah. It's Corey Feldman that screwed everything up for everybody. As he does with everything he's in. No, I'm I'm kidding. Just chill, Corey. <laughs> chill. Oh, but it was this was such a delight to watch and I I just I I was so surprised cuz you you think Spielberg. Okay, cool. This is going to be this is going to be enchanting at the very least, which it was, but it was also equally terrifying like that first scene when the mom kills three gremlins oh yeah i was like what is happening yeah that mom unlocked some skills that night yes uh and yeah the the, her kill count i think is the highest of (laughs) all of them other than burning the theater but yeah it's uh it was impressive it was very impressive i agree i i had seen this movie all the way through so i i was familiar with it but it's been a long long time and i've only seen it once i'm pretty sure and it was at a uh, like an outdoor middle of sundance square in downtown fort worth event Mm -hmm. And so I remember watching these horrific images and like looking around me being like, there are so many kids here and we're watching this in public and there are residencies right there. Yeah. Uh, so my, my concern was just the, uh, the civic fallout yeah. of the film, Absolutely. I think mostly, but I, I really enjoyed it then. Uh, I enjoyed it even more now and Ricky, because of how I saw it the first time, of you know being like out in exposed in the city basically uh-huh. uh i i know this is such a classic and so many things reference it that i don't often do this on the podcast but i i just sat and watched this movie <laughs> i just because normally we yep. have our notes mm-hmm. and we're scribbling through and it's like homework a lot of the time i I gave myself the Christmas gift of just watching Gremlins, <laughs> and it was a delight. Wasn't it? It was, it was wonderful. It was great to be able to just sit and absorb such a bizarre concept yes. and, and think a thought and not immediately <laughs> write it down like, is that John Candy? No, it's not John Candy. Stop thinking it is. Yep. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, no, it, it was it was great just to buy into the world yeah. um, 
as, as it is. And I definitely want to see the sequel because to me, Gremlins now is so tied to Key and Peel because of their yes. Gremlins 2 sketch. And that really the sketch more than the movie, I think, makes me want to see the sequel. But I, this is one of those movies that you understand the nostalgia factor that makes it uh, a classic. So, yeah. yeah, that was very enjoyable. Absolutely. Because this movie... No one asked, no one, not one person asked for this movie except for Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg said, Hey, I want to make this into a movie. Even Chris Columbus said, Oh, uh, this isn't meant to be seen. He's like, No, it is and it will be. Because <laughs> uh, this movie is so audacious. Because, uh, you know, we now live in an era where like people love A Nightmare Before Christmas or like love Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Uh, and this thing has all kind of developed this cult classic status today. But like mm-hmm. at the time, like you keep Christmas and Christmas, okay? And um, and, the, and you don't veer from the path per se. Uh, and it takes someone like Steven Spielberg to demand that this movie be seen. And it, it not only seen, but created. And I just, I loved so much uh, of this movie and just all of the work it took to make it uh they made so many different size mogwais because the tiny uh mogwai aren't really expressive and so they made like a bigger gizmo that would be uh the close-up for like anytime he was like in the backpack or they're eating uh, just very messily so they had uh, two different size gremlins uh because of just all the work it would take to bring that into reality and they mm-hmm. just they just did such a phenomenal job. And it's just a real testament to uh, people like how limitations breed creativity for movies of the 80s. Because like CGI wasn't being used like, you know, just to, OK, yeah, this background. Yeah, we'll just make this uh, CGI just to have more control over this environment. They're like, OK, no, we're going to be on a lot and we're going to destroy it. We're going to literally burn it to the <laughs> ground. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just love that. I, I love seeing that. Yeah, it felt very tangible, right? Because yeah. I feel like if they made it today, uh, it, it would all be CGI. Yeah. It would be Garfield up and down. But <laughs> this was just, yeah, very real. And yeah, uh, they would never make a movie like this no, this way no, again. No. <laughs> so I really appreciate that it exists. They had the opportunity to survive. Yes. Oh, man. And in something that um, I think maybe I don't hear a lot of people talk about with the Gremlins because, you know, the Gremlins kind of take front and center. Uh, Phoebe Cates. My goodness. One of my favorite scenes was Phoebe. And I didn't know. I didn't realize she was the same person. Uh, Drop Dead Fred. She was in Drop Dead Fred. And it's about an adult woman with an imaginary friend. Anyway, uh, she is more... Famously known for Fast Times at Ridgemont High, but her scene where she talks about why she hates Christmas is <laughs> it is seared into my brain now. It feels like it's one of those scenes that uh, I feel like are in like some of the top like 100 best movie monologues of all time. And like mm-hmm. for me, that one is that. And they almost tried to cut that out of the movie because they, they said... It's either too sad or too funny, and we don't know which. <laughs> Cut it. Well, 
And I feel like uh, now they would like cut to it and show you uh, yeah. a dramatization of it, but to have the confidence uh, in the performer and say she can really sell this monologue, just don't don't pull away, just focus on that moment. Um, I mean, I think, I think that's just a testament to her delivery of that monologue. But it is incredibly disturbing. It felt like one of those stories you read, like as a kid, and then it's like, and then she took the scarf yeah. off, and her head <laughs> fell off her neck. It's like, oh my goodness, what a reveal! Yeah, like the like the large Marge story in Pee Wee's house. <laughs> yeah, uh, Grayson, I know mm-hmm. uh, it's a podcast. I know um, that we typically don't do this kind of exchange uh, digitally, oh. but uh, uh-huh. I did want to get you something. Oh, yeah. thank you. And I'm just going to take the liberty to just uh, unwrap it for you. So, mm-hmm. this is tremendous Foley work. Thank you. Thank you. Here it is, Grayson. I got you a head cannon. Head cannon. <laughs> just what I've always <laughs> wanted. Headcan is the part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Uh, Grayson, I also got you a second gift. Oh. It's this headcanon. Okay. So, Grayson, this movie mm-hmm. has all the trimmings of an iconic Steven Spielberg movie. A charming kid, car troubles that lead him to almost be late to where he's supposed to be. He says hello Dang to a it, doctor. Ricky. This is not a gift. <laughs> this is theft. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> and so immediately I was thinking, oh my gosh, Back to the Future. But then something else happened. Um, an- another great trimming of a Steven Spielberg movie is references. Then he walks into work and this woman says, where's your dog? I'm going to get you and your dog. I'm going to kill your dog violently. And I was like, oh, Wizard of Oz. How curious. And then I realized something. The gremlins are from Oz. Oh, interesting. Now, you know, the Wicked Witch would be just one reference. And, you know, someone who is hell-bent on killing a dog is, you know. Now we have a whole John Wick series that's surrounding that. But, but what makes it unique to Wizard of Oz is this creature's sensitivity to water. Something about water in Oz oh, either makes wow. people melt or creatures multiply. Oh, I love that. And so, yeah. And the reason, and granted, I'm sure that they explore this lore in the sequel, but I'm just going to stay right here in this headcanon. And I think the reason why you don't feed them after midnight uh, is because I don't think that night exists in Oz. Uh, so we are in the Wizard of Oz for. A length of time. At very least, I know that this is a whole poppy scene where they like go to sleep, but like we never see nighttime in Oz, from my understanding. Yeah, I think it's just when they go to the the witch's lair, like of you know Wicked what you're Witch right. of the West. I think, but but even then, night feels geographic and not uh, you know time based. Yeah, and so I think that they are. Oh, that's even better. I'm gonna. Yeah, that's what I meant this whole time. Uh, it's kind of like the dark side of the moon where the sun yeah, only exists lands. on <laughs> this side of the world. Well, the, I think it's because the gremlins, um, when they eat underneath, like, or at night, basically, just whenever the sun's not out, because the sun will kill them, right? Uh, yeah. But if they eat after midnight, 
something bad happens. I forget how. Um, but basically, it's just to put them geographically somewhere in Oz as creatures that are known to be there, but away from water, like apparently most people are in Oz. So, um, mm. and, and the mo- and I, I also was thinking about it because uh, the dad was a traveling salesman. Um, which reminded me of the great and powerful Oz, who was oh, yeah. also a traveling salesman. And so those parallels uh, made me launch this headcanon. I like that. That's strong. I, um, yeah, my headcanon was solidly based on Back to the Future just because of the street layout. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. That Main Street, like, and I don't know if you came across this in your research, but I would easily believe that's the same studio lot because you have that theater set at the end of the street and then you have all the those stores along there uh and then being able to uh go across to a park just like they have with the the courthouse and i'm pretty sure the bank he works at is where cafe 80s is where the diner is yeah like that layout just made a lot of sense um so that was uh, that was interesting yeah. to see that. But then I was like, if that's the case, then why? And I think it it all stems from overlapping realities. Ooh. Where in each reality you have a scientist that has aspirations that he's underperforming on, and you have this these kids or kid that is having to deal with the fallout of it. And so I like the idea that these realities are stacked. Like you got back to the future, you got gremlins, you got honey. I shrunk the kids. You got all of these like happening at the same time realities, uh, which is why I would love to see like a split through of these. And I think like kind of cracking through the multiverse, I think, that the gremlins are the byproduct of that crack. Just like they describe oh. what they are in machinery, mm-hmm. I think that they, yes, they're that, but they also are mainly that in the machinery of the universe. Uh, and they evolve in such a state as they evolve through layers of reality. Interesting. Very interesting. You know what you made me think of, Grayson, whenever you're thinking, bringing those worlds together? Is that the gremlins are actually from the future? Oh, uh, because they're humans. <laughs> <laughs> well, the grandfather who uh, who comes in uh, and you know takes the gremlins back, he says, "You do with Mogwai what your society has done with all of nature's gifts. You do not understand. You are not ready." Mm. And so, but in the future, from the future, and so I think that. Uh, the Mogwai come from exactly what you're saying, a pocket dimension of the future as a byproduct of time. Cause uh, you know, similar to like Dr. Who, how those, uh, those time demons that showed up once and never again, mm-hmm. um, yep. they are there to, you know, kind of virus protect the timeline and gremlins will do that. And maybe that's why they don't need to be fed because they just consume time anomalies. I don't know. Yeah. I also think it's headcanon that if it were to rain on Endor, all the Ewoks were turned into Yodas. <laughs> That's where they come from. I love it. I love it. I mean, sometimes our headcanon is too good, Grayson, that I feel like mm. we just need to spend more time on message boards to see if we're either 
leading or straying away from what other fan theories are out there. But I love yeah. it. I think that's yeah. great. All right, now we're going to go into the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remake. R -r recast, R -r remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? I am telling you, man, this movie today, I really just want them to make it all uh, animatronic and uh, practical as they can because it would just be really good, I think. Uh, yeah. But I, I, the only thing I would change, because well, also I thought that Billy was like a proper child, but he's like an adult, adult, um, like a young adult still, but in like an adult, um, mm -hmm. and so, but his charm and uh, you know, just overall demeanor rem reminded me a lot of Max Greenfield, uh, and so oh, yeah. I, I would cast Max Greenfield um, as Billy. Um, I think that he would, you know, be great. Um, I would then, of course, just because I can't keep people out of their casting circle, uh, I would have Lamorne Morris uh, <laughs> be the scientist Roy Hansen um, and Hansen as Kate. And um, and really, I'm telling you, I just uh, I want the gremlins to be all puppets. Um, <laughs> and, and I really... I want the so so here's the thing, and I would never say this in any other world. Uh, but if they did decide to do Gremlins today, and if this movie wasn't as poorly received, maybe they they would think about it. But if they were to cast the Gremlins a la cats 20, <laughs> 20 something, you get everyone in suits. Taylor Swift as Gizmo. And you, you have them wear gremlin costumes. And you that makes sense because what do you do when you get water on you? You shake it you off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Who hates water more than cats? Uh, <laughs> I, I just think that 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 would be that would be the most interesting movie. It might not be the most. It might not be the best, but it would be the most interesting, and I would love to see that. Yeah. No, I, I like that a lot. And I feel like Stranger Things gives us the spiritual sequels of so many 80s movies. And they, uh, they've they done definitely references to Gremlins, but I think an even more leaning in on the creature takeover aspect beyond the upside down could be kind of interesting. Um, I mean, they had them with like demon dogs and all that. But uh, yeah, it's definitely in that world. I would love to see take it very Spielberg and and the next Gremlins movie is just like Gremlins Dominion, right? Like we oh. start with the Gremlins have already taken over the world. Okay. They they exist, they populated way too quickly. Humans have been run underground and it's the story of the remaining human colonies reclaiming Earth. That would be the sequel that I'm interested in. Because how do you fight them? If they made it to the ocean, how would you ever fight them? Whoa. Whoa. That's huge. Yeah. So humans would have to operate above ground during the day. But what have the gremlins done Ooh. to eliminate sun? Do they intentionally try to block out the sun so that they can like kind of terraform Earth to become this gremlin utopia? A lot of questions. Wow, that's really good and terrifying. I, Grayson, <laughs> let me tell you, uh, 
when I watched Gremlins, I woke up the next day at 4.30 in the morning because I had a Gremlins nightmare about... Oh, no. <laughs> about uh, Judge Reinhold uh, asking what happens if you if you feed them blood or something like that. Like, that was what my brain did. And then mm. my brain was so terrified at, like, what kind of mutation would happen to them because they're like, don't get them wet. It's just like, okay, but, like, I know that that causes them to multiply and that feeding them causes them to, um, you know, metamorphosize into the, the demon version of them. Uh, but what if you, like, fed them, like, these things that you typically wouldn't feel. I feel like they have like some kind of just chemical reactions to different things. And so anyway, uh, I wonder if in the dominion version, it's just like, Oh yeah, there's like a third stage of gremlins. And it's like when they consume flesh under daylight, they become unstoppable or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. And I think they lean a little on that in the sequel where they have like specific powers or things mm, uh mm. but it did it did feel like there'd be another stage of evolution um and i think really what this would lead to if they had world domination and live like just among nature is you would end up with a sequel to two properties and it'd be gremlins v audrey 2 from little shop of horrors <laughs> yeah the tagline would just say feed me whoa that would be great Oh yeah, I was I was getting big Little Shop of Horror vibes. Oh yeah, I bet you every household in America would would love one of these things. I'm like, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. In the in the DVD edit, uh, the world ends. It actually ends. It's over. It ends. That's a wrap Done. on humanity. Denzo for Gizmo. <laughs> oh, that's good. Really good. All right, now we're going to go into our final segment where we like to give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend Gremlins? Not the Gremlins. Just Gremlins. Yeah. It's cleaner. Yeah. I recommend Gremlins because, like we alluded to, the animatronics are so advanced in the puppetry of this that it couldn't happen before this time period. But we have since adopted so much CGI that it wouldn't be made this way since. So it exists in the perfect time to have such a tangibly bizarre and cute and, you know, it feels like a Christmas film, but also like a Halloween horror film. It feels like a family film, also like a very nuanced cult classic. So it's uh, it exists in so many different worlds that I think the movie itself evolves like a mogwai to a gremlin ah. and you're just like oh my goodness this started as such a cute i thought i know where it was going thing and becomes so surprising so having seen it and forgotten a lot of it i got to be genuinely surprised again just by experiencing this movie in a way of the, the, how it was intended of, yeah, this is supposed to be shocking and escalate incredibly quickly. So if you'd like a, a holiday movie that you need a break from the boilerplate uh, formulaic uh, Christmas movies that are out there, this is a Christmas movie, uh, but also not really for kids. So uh, I recommend Gremlins because it's just a, 
a shocking way to celebrate the holiday season and just a lot of fun. I 100% agree with that sense of it. Yeah, Gremlins, especially if you are from my point of view of like, oh yeah, Gremlins, they're the creatures. I knew the rules before I even saw the movie in its entirety. I was familiar with the IP because, you know, it was everywhere. Uh, I'm pretty sure my main reference to Gremlins, now that I think about it, is I love the 80s and Andre from Black Nerd Comedy, who loves Gremlins more than probably anyone on the planet. Uh, And so, but even knowing that, watching the actual movie and seeing the story unfold, it's it's mesmerizing. Spielberg executive produced this movie, uh, but there is still so much magic and beautiful story that is told from Chris Columbus and um, Joe Dante. And just seeing them at the helms kind of tell this story that could have gone any other way. And in fact, this movie inspired uh, Critters, which I only mainly know because Raphael from Ninja Turtles in the original Ninja Turtles movie references it. Uh, he's like, you people pay money for this stuff. Uh, and and inspire some other movies that lean more into the horror of it. Not few movies lean more into the Christmas of it. Uh, but I think ultimately it is a movie that blends the lines of horror and Christmas, but in a way that works and that makes it still fully itself because there there is one point in time when you you just get to see a scene of gremlins like there 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 are very few humans in the scene and you just see them fill a room and just exist and it's so unsettling and entertaining at the same time and that's how i would describe this movie and why i recommend it if you want something that's both unsettling and entertaining uh I can't recommend any other movie, especially around Christmas time, than Gremlins. 100%. And that is our review of the 1984 movie Gremlins. Let us know what you remember about Gremlins on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flex. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating or review on a scale of 1 to 5. Um... Man, see, it's hard. I was going to say gremlins, but we all know that if you have five gremlins, it's already too late. That's uh, too late. So, yeah. I mean, five glasses of water would be great because that's how we can multiply. Right. Right. That you get get the word out there. Yeah. We can spread. Yeah. We can, you can spread. Oh, yeah. So we are either spreading gremlins or fighting off an alien horde. Either way, someone's in trouble <laughs> if someone spills something. <laughs> You're right. I think we have done glasses of water before. I only just thought of it because you said specifically glasses of water and glasses. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. On a scale of one to five bathroom buddies. There you go. How would you rate this you podcast? Gotta have a bathroom buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fine. I think the emoji for that might just be uh, toothbrush plus plus shaver plus plus comb. Just, a comb. Yeah. yeah. Add, add as many of those things, you, as many things, attachments as you can add on. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll know what that means. <laughs> And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. 